so great to see you on this Easter weekend. We want to say a big hello to our West Campus and the online campus and the Germantown campus. It is great that you're here today. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me to the Gospel of John, John chapter 16. I'm going to get there in just a minute. And, but I do want to say a big, big thanks for being here this weekend. A welcome to all of our guests and family members and friends that have come. We take it as a big honor that you're with us. Uh, today and then here this weekend. Uh, there's a lot of places you could be, a lot of great churches in the metro Milwaukee area, but the fact that you're here, uh, we're honored by that. We hope you enjoy your time. I hope your kids that are in Life Kids, uh, their teeth, they get so much candy and sugar. No, I'm just teasing. And so uh, my, my youngest said, Dad, uh, you know, this weekend it's Easter and um, I, I'd be willing to go all four services if need be. And she, she knew there were Easter egg hunts, all four services, and she had four chances to get the nine-foot-tall Easter basket. And I said, Ava, I really appreciate your sacrifice. I think Jesus appreciates your sacrifice, but we're, we're just going to slow it down a little bit. Okay, Dad, but if you need me, I'm here for you. So, it's, so you know, it's, I hope your kids have a great time. This weekend, we're talking about, on this Easter weekend, about the power of overcoming. The power that Jesus Christ is an overcomer. And because he overcame death, hell, and the grave, because he lived life on this earth successfully, the Bible says he was tempted and tried and always, yet without sin. I mean, you're talking about the perfect life coach. I mean, he's the guy who navigated everything. You're talking about the, the perfect guide. For those of you that are fishermen or hunters, that you pay big bucks for the guys to take you to, to the right spot, to the right place, to, to, to get the big game or to catch the big fish. I mean, Jesus navigated this life not because he wasn't tempted or tried, but because he overcame it because the power that raised him from the grave, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God, that overcoming power that displayed itself magnificently on Easter over 2,000 years ago, dwelled in him. And the Bible says that same power dwells in us. You know, I, I'm, I'm not necessarily a news junkie, but I like to kind of keep a pulse on what's going on. And so uh, kind of a custom for me is I watch a couple of morning news shows, uh, watch, watch, look at a couple of Twitter feeds in, as of the morning I'm having coffee and and if I'm traveling, you know, a lot of times the newspapers are right there. Or you're getting ready to get on an airplane, and I'm just summing through the newspapers and wanting to see the headlines. And, if you, and, and this morning was no, was no different. And I'm just thinking to myself, man, how morbid are the headlines? 
I mean, like, just the amount of, I mean, whatever high I was on when I got up this morning, it was like a total killjoy, you know? By the time I'm done reading or just kind of surfing through or watching the news, because it's just filled full of, of just, just crazy, crazy stuff. I mean, just fear and doubt and confusion and there's no hope and, and there's no answers. And, you know, and, and I mean, and there's just times where you watch it and you just simply want to run out of the house and go hide under a rock, you know, just kind of go, if it's the end of the world is coming, if this is really all there is, if, if every day is on this cycle of the economy or some calamity or some disaster or the fear of this or the fear of that or the perversion of this or the perversion of that, at some point in time, you just kind of go, man, I quit, I give up. And if you're not careful, the world in which we live in is so inundated with those things that we will become that way. We will become paralyzed by the fear, by the loss, by the perversion, by the things that we see, by the things that we read. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying don't watch the news. I'm not saying don't read a newspaper or let's look at Twitter feeds. But I am saying, and all of that, the one thing that we need to be reminded of is that Jesus Christ... He came and he saw and he conquered. That Jesus Christ, he lived in the same world in which you and I live in. I know our world is going at a record speed because of technology. But, you, but, but, but at the same time, he came and lived in this world. And he saw and he changed and he conquered. And John chapter 16, verse 33, speaks of exactly what I'm talking about. This juxtaposition, this contrast of the world in which we live in. Let's, let's look at this. If you don't have it, it'll be on the screen for you. In this world, you will have trouble. Declarative statement. In this world, you will have trouble. That was 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years later, it's no different. 2,000 before that, it was the exact same. You read Western Civilization 101. You take any class at any university, at any college, secular or sacred. They'll tell you the exact same thing. Humanity has always been jacked up, right? Okay, that's, so you're going to have trouble. But take heart. Why? Because I have overcome the world. In this world, this world that we live in, you're going to have trouble. But I want you to take heart, Jesus says, because in this world, I have overcome this world. That's the story of Easter. That's what we celebrate this weekend. That, that's what this is all about, is that Jesus overcame fear. He overcame doubt. He overcame loss. He overcame uncertainty. He overcame pain. He overcame all of these things that can so paralyze the world in which we live in, that can so fixate this, 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 this media uh, uh, frenzy that we have in the world in which we live in because of technology. See, Easter isn't just about Jesus overcoming death, but it's about the power that Jesus Christ used to overcome death, hell, and the grave, the Bible says now resides in us if we're Christ followers. The same power that, that, that helped Jesus Christ live this life and overcome death, hell, and the grave, we have the ability to, to, to have as well. And we're not alone in our troubles. I, you know, I think sometimes we think that it's really, 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 really bad. And it is. But it's always been really, 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 really bad. I mean, I'm kind of an avid history reader. And, uh, and, and, I, and, and when you read history and you read civilizations that have risen, that have fallen from the Egyptians to the Roman Empire, from, from the Fertile Crescent all the way to, to New York City, I mean, when you go from the garden to the city, when you, when you look at all of that, you realize that humanity has been plagued with the same lusts, 
with the same temptations, with the same uh, deceptiveness, with the same amount of, 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 of evil desire, with the same amount of loss, with the same amount of pain, with the same amount of fear, with the same amount of uncertainty. And they respond to it differently. But this is not a new epidemic. As a matter of fact, the Bible, that's one of the things, one of the things I love about God's Word is that it shows us that this isn't a new thing. And Paul, the apostle, who under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit wrote most of the New Testament, had these things to say when he was talking about his troubles and his struggles. This trouble that you're going to have in this world. He talked about a life of confusion. He talked about a life of confusion. He says it in this way in the Living Bible in Romans chapter 7 verse 15 and verse 18. Think about if you can identify with this. I don't understand myself at all. For what I really want to do, I really want to do what is right, but I can't. You ever felt like that? Yeah, don't raise your hand. All right. I, I, I do what I don't want to do. Or, oh, excuse me. What I do, I don't want to do. This is confusing. But it's, what I, it's why I hate. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. And I want to, but I can't. Have you ever said that? Have you ever come to church and just go, I'm not good enough? You ever got around Christians, maybe that they thought they were all that in a bag of chips and a little Debbie cake, and just say, I'm not good enough? You ever thought, I mean, I shaved my legs for this. I'm just not good enough, right? Some of you, you need to know, it's okay to laugh in church, really. It's totally okay. God gave you a sense of humor. Don't lose it at the door. That may be the only thing that gets you through this message. But seriously, have you ever felt like that? And what I want you to understand is that the Apostle Paul said, that's what I feel. I have this dynamic tension going on inside of me that the things that I want to do, I'm not doing. The things that I don't want to do, I, I, I can't stop doing. And this confusion of this turmoil, of this perplexity, of these issues, this is thoroughly confusing. He goes on to say that he was frustrated. just frustrated. Romans chapter 7, verse 21, he goes on to say in that same chapter, it seems to be a fact of life that when I... Uh, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Just completely frustrated. It goes from just, I'm confused about this, 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 this when I want to do this and I do that, and I want to do right and I do wrong, and I, I want to stop doing wrong, but I, I can't do right. And, I just, and, then, and then I'm just, I'm more than just confused, I'm frustrated. Because this flesh, have you ever tried, have you ever had a habit that you knew wasn't God honoring, that was just downright sin, and you just tried to, to give it up and you try 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 and you just go man what's the use I can't do this I meet people like this all the time and and what they do is if we're not careful we try religion and religion is not the same as a relationship with Jesus Christ I just want to make sure we all understand this it just because you're at church this weekend doesn't make you a Christian right no more than going to a garage makes you an automobile or going to Taco Bell makes you a, a, a chalupa, right? I mean, going to church doesn't make you a Christian. But there are some people that think that. I mean, if I go to church, I'm, I'm going to be a Christian. And, and if I just look right and talk right and act right, then, or act whatever way I think is, then all of a sudden it's just going to happen by osmosis. And it doesn't happen that way. 
And there's this real struggle that we have. The Bible says that we don't struggle against flesh and blood, but against, against rulers of darkness. That the enemy of our soul, he goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And there's something inside of us that there's a spirit and there's a flesh. And sometimes that flesh, that everything about us that we want to crucify, everything about us that we want to give up, we just can't seem to do it. And we're more than just confused. We're just downright frustrated. And it's at that point in time that a lot of people just go, peace out, Girl Scout. I am out of church. I'm not doing this thing. And they sit there, and here's what they tell me. You're a pastor. For some reason, God's given you a grace or an ability to do this. I don't have it. And what I want to say is if I really could show you these feet of clay, if I could really just be honest with you, I have struggles. I have questions. I have bouts of doubt. I have, there are times where it's, I know what God's word says and I do everything that I can, but in the middle of that, I become frustrated because it seems like the thing that I want to do, I can't seem to do. And the things that I don't want to do, I can't seem to do. And it's not that I walk under some special grace. I'm telling you, it's just, it's what I do on the platform. It's the anointing or it's whatever. It's a gifting, however you want to call it. But I'm just like you. And I think if we were all really honest in this room, we took off our Sunday best, and we just all really got to see everybody on the big screen for what we are, and don't worry, we don't have video of anybody in the room. Really? I think we would all, all, all realize that the ground is really level at the foot of the cross, and that none of us are righteous, and that none of us have it together. I think we would identify a lot more with this Pauline theology that, man, there are days I'm confused. There are days that what I try and I try and I try and I just can't measure up. I think we would all sit there and go, you know what, there's moments out of that confusion. I'm just downright frustrated. And then Paul also goes on to say in that same chapter that just discouragement sets in. You become discouraged. What's the use? That's why people leave the church. Verse 24. It's an agonizing situation. Who can set me free from the prison of this mortal body? You ever felt like that? Now I want you to think for a second. If Paul, the apostle, the Bible says he says of himself, he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, which means he was a Christian of the Christian. He, was, he, he knew the book backwards and forwards. He was used by the Holy Spirit to write most of the New Testament. And died in chains for his faith. If he had bouts of frustration and confusion and discouragement that Romans chapter 7 gives us. Do you not think we won't? That's why Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble. Sometimes I think we think if we're Christ followers, we won't have trouble. If we go to church, we won't have trouble. If I just pay my tithes, I won't have trouble. If I just do a good deed, I won't have trouble. No, 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 no. You're going to have trouble. The, the good part is, is you're not alone. The good part is, is that he's overcome the world. The good part is, is that you're following one who knows how to get you out of the valley of the shadow of death. You're following one who knows the way out. You're following one who knows life and life eternal. So what do you do? Well, Romans chapter 7 verse 25, Paul, Paul goes to this. Thank God, after his confusion and his frustration, his discouragement... He ends the chapter with, thank God, for the answer is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but 
I can see the look on your face. Oh, yeah, it's always going to be the answer is going to be Jesus, right? This is like church. I forgot. It's just Jesus. It's just, he's this magical name that's just going to, well, I didn't write the book. But let me tell you, though, what the process is to allowing Jesus Christ to do that change and that work in your life. First, admit it. Admit it. Admit it. Let's look at this. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, then we are only fooling ourselves and refusing to accept the truth. First thing I have to do, if I really want to accept this overcoming power that Jesus Christ has given me, that I can overcome the world because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, then I first of all have to admit that I'm jacked up. Now, if you want to argue that, God just says, hey, I'm going to be at Starbucks getting a grande skinny cinnamon dolce latte at 190 degrees. And when you come to the end of your bad stuff, just call me and I'll be there. But until you call on my name, I'm going to be a perfect gentleman. That's hard to do, isn't it? Especially men, that's really hard for us to do. Admit we're wrong. It's hard for me to preach about it. You know what I'm talking about? It's just hard. But it's the truth, isn't it? Is we just go, look, man, I messed up. I'm not perfect. I, I battled this and that and this and that. And you don't have to, here's the, here's the good news. You don't have to admit it to me. I'm not, look, <laughs> contrary to popular opinion, Jesus is the high priest. And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that I can boldly go to the throne of grace and obtain mercy from him at any time, at any day, at any hour. Because only Jesus Christ can absolve your sins. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. A man can't do that. A church can't do that. Religion can't do that. That's the reason why you leave church and you think that that's the answer. It's empty. That's the reason why when you leave religion and you leave it and you feel like it's empty. That's the reason why it, you, you may enjoy it, but there's just no lasting power. Because the only thing that can change it is when you or I say, Jesus I am jacked up. I am a sinner. And I'm in need of you of a Savior. And I just come before you. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins that I've committed. It's in that moment that we go, here's my fear. Here's my pain. Here's my sorrow. Here's my loss. Here, here it is. Admit it. He already knows it. Admit it. The second thing that we have to do is believe it. Sometimes this is a little bit more easier said than done. Believe it. Paul spoke to the church in Ephesus. And he said this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. I pray that you'll begin to understand how incredibly great His, Jesus, power is to help those who believe Him. It's the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Amen, Paul. That's exactly what I'm praying. I wish, I hope, in some way, I can get it into your mind for you to understand that how powerful it is that I don't have power, that the church doesn't have power, that the church universal doesn't have power, except but by and through the name and the person of Jesus Christ. But through Him, I have power. Through Him, I may have trouble in this world, but I'll overcome this world. Through Him, I may have lost the battle, but I won't lose the war. Through Him, I will overcome. And through Him, you can overcome. But I'm confused, but I'm frustrated, but I'm discouraged. Join the club. Let me get you a membership card at the end of service. We've all been there. But do you believe it? 
Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life? Not a way, a truth, and a life. Jesus didn't say it like that. Well, you know, if you like to pick me, I'll tell you why I should be the president of the world. He didn't do that. He just said, look, all of these other people who say they're God are false. And all these other ways, of religious ways and practices of the world, they may be good, but they're not godly. But there is only one. That's why commandment number one says, I'm the Lord your God, and I'll have no other gods before me. Because there is but one, and his name is Jesus. Well, I don't know if I believe it. Well, again, I'm just one beggar to another beggar where to find food. Look, I can take a horse to, to water, but I can't make him drink. I can tell you where the best steak in town is, but I can't help you if you want to go to, to, to you know, Pondagrosa, as I call it, right? And just, and, get, and just go to the feed trough for $5.99. Go on with your bad self, but I'm going to tell you where the premium meat is. That's it. I'm going to tell you, if you want to go on and do it the way you want to do it, that's fine. But at the end of the day, I'm going to tell you, there is one. His name is Jesus. His name isn't Aaron. His name isn't Life Church. His name isn't a church or a pastor or a priest or a evangelist or a missionary. His name is Jesus. And the only way that you overcome, the only way I overcome, is through him. And the last thing you have to do is just simply commit. I admit it. I believe it. I commit to it. Mark's gospel, chapter 8, verse 34 and 35 says, Anyone who intends, this is Jesus' words, to come to me, with me, has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Follow me and I will show you how. That's why we call it being a Christ follower. Self-help is no help at all. And self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to saving yourself. You don't get to drive. <laughs> you don't even get keys to the car. Sorry. But if you look at your own life, you're probably on the side of the road in some ditch just kind of crashing that car of life. And Jesus says, look, if you'll let me do it, I'll show you what to do. But I got to lead. Any head that's, anything that's got more than two heads is a freak, right? Seriously, thought about that? But how many times do we want to co-lead with God? It doesn't work that way. There's no co-anything. He is everything and I am nothing. He is first and I am last. And here's the amazing thing. Is when I put him first, when I let him lead and I follow, when I check my ego and my pride and my ambition and everything about me that says I should be it. And I just lay it at the feet of the cross and I commit to it. Then all of a sudden... That over, overcoming power comes into my life. Right before Jesus faces death on the cross. It's the reason why he came. But understand this. He asked God, God, if there's any way this can pass from me. If there's any way I don't have to have this assignment. If there's any other way to do this, let it happen. But nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Because Jesus understood 
that without his sacrifice, that sin owed a payment, that the only thing that could pay was his blood. And that he came to be a ransom for you and for I. And before he goes and he's beaten and he's bruised and he's mocked and he's, he's spat upon, he's made fun of, he's made public spectacle of, and he did no wrong. Before he faces death on the cross, which was the most cruel and vile death, before he goes into the grave for three days, he looks at the disciples and he says these words, John chapter 16, verse 33. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. 